Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Holy Spirit, thank you for your love and mercy. Your kindness is beyond comprehension. We don't have any right to it. We don't deserve your kindness. We haven't earned your kindness. We can't do it. But right now, your grace covers us. And so, Lord, we're praying for these personal needs that are represented by these hands. We're praying for needs that are beyond our capacity to even imagine helping, whether it's human trafficking or the war in Ukraine or whatever it is all around the world in our community. Lord, we're asking for you to use us and use your strength and your presence to make a difference in our world. And we want to be a part of it. Praying and also activating those prayers, we want to be a part of it. Now, Lord, we're going to enter into our sermon time and ask you to anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to believe and our bodies to move in serving and loving you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you've got your app, uh, sermon app, you want to get your sermon notes out, be prepared to walk through the scriptures. I'll be doing it on the screen. It'll also be coming up on the other screens online. You'll be able to experience it as well. So get your app out, follow along. There are notes in there. I hope you'll engage. Uh, I, every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, have a midweek oasis. It's one of our midweek oasis options. And I do a class that digs deeper into the sermon. So the things that we talk about on Sunday often are forgotten by Sunday afternoon. It's okay to laugh because I know it's true because I can't quite remember what I say on Sunday afternoon. So if you were to call me Sunday afternoon and say, hey, what did you preach about this morning? I'm going to say, hold on a second, let me get my notes. So I get it. But it takes us to repeat things, to revisit things, to to massage it more deeply into our souls. And so Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, nurseries available, children's ministries available, youth ministries available, and also our midweek oasis opportunities are available to dig deeper into what we're experiencing today. So I certainly hope you'll be engaging in that. Let's stand and enter into this sermon experience by confessing these words. These are the words that we're going to confess, and I want you to pay close attention to this word right here, choose. I want you to pay close attention to choose. This is not magic. This is not a chant that somehow affects you by, without your willingness. This is you choosing to push in the clutch and slow down and settle yourself to think about God in his connection to your life. Let's say this together. God, I choose to slow my breath and relinquish my worries. I open my hands to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, to my mind. I receive your comfort. Come, Holy Spirit, to my heart. I receive your peace. Come, Holy Spirit, to my soul. I receive the Father's love for me. I am here to receive what you have for me today. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So as you're being seated, come on, answer me really good and loud. What's the secret? Contentment is Christ. Contentment is Christ. Contentment is not circumstances. Contentment is not conditions. Contentment is not comfort. Contentment is not convenience. Contentment is Christ and Christ alone. It is not Christ 
in order to make all my circumstances come together and be comfortable and convenient. It is Christ and Christ alone, comfortable, convenient, or not. Christ is the answer to all of it. And so let's say this together as we recite our annual memory verse. I hope that you're burning it into your minds and your souls. Let's say this together. For I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Part of living the contented life, contented in Christ, is to recognize that Easter was all about inaugurating the happily ever after life. There was a big, huge debate in Jewish faith before Christ, before Easter, that first Easter. And it was, will there be a resurrection or there won't be a resurrection? Is there really any life really after death? Will the body be resurrected? Will we be ambiguous, vague features in in the heavens? What will we do? Where is Jehovah? Where will we go? And Jesus kind of answered that in that Easter experience to say, yes, There is likely coming a death to you, but that death means little because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus came to inaugurate and clarify that there is a happily ever after life for you. And it doesn't relate to the comforts and conveniences of this world. Now, if you're a believer like me, you believe that God is going to either, one, do away with all pollen in heaven after Jesus comes back, or two, he's going to do away with all allergies and pollen won't matter and will actually appreciate gritty air. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it can't be anything bad, you know, after Jesus comes back, sets all things to rights, you know, I don't know. Will there be snow? Not in my heaven, okay? Not in my heaven. All right, so anyway, if you're with me, there's going to be no snow. I'm just telling you that right now. I'm imagining that. So the question is, then, how is it that we access and gain and live this happily ever after life, even with pollen and with allergies? What do we do? How do we live this happily ever after life as much as possible right now? Well, here's how we're going to do that. We're going to answer this question. Are you pickled in the power of of the Spirit. Are you pickled in the power of the Spirit? Now, I am no expert. I have a black thumb, not a green thumb. And so, you know that if if I'm ever put on a garden, you can be sure someone wants to kill it. So they're employing me to kill the garden or kill the plant or whatever. I'm just no good at it whatsoever. So I don't come to you with some sense of you know, professional acumen with regard to what it means to to pickle something. But I am a consumer of pickled things. So I know what a pickle is, and I know what a pickle is not. And so for you that might be confused, on the left is a cucumber, on the right is a pickle. Now these are actually pretty much the same thing. I mean, there are certain cucumbers that are used for making pickles. But before they become a pickle, they're a cucumber. And after they become a pickle, they're no longer a cucumber. So there's some kind of transformative process that happens, and the key is the solution. 
The key is the solution. You cannot get a pickle from a cucumber by setting a cucumber next to a jar of pickle solution. That won't work. I tried it, it won't work. You've got to get the, pic- the cucumber in the pickling solution in order to have the cucumber be transformed into a pickle. So you have to ask yourself the question, am I pickled in the power of the Spirit? Or do I just hang out next to the power? Or do I just kind of show up near the power? Do I live my life actually in the Spirit? Or do I just kind of orbit nearby the Spirit? Are you pickled in the power of of the Spirit. Now, when you go to lunch today, if you go to a restaurant, you ask for a salad and you expect cucumbers on it, and the person that delivers your salad, it's got, nothing, it's got a bunch of pickles on it, will you say something about it? Likely you will. You'll call the staff back over and you'll say, hey, my, this is not the salad I ordered. I expected cucumbers. And if the wait staff says, they're cucumbers, you're going to disagree. And you can fuss and fight about that, but there's going to be a clash of understanding because you know what a cucumber is, and that ain't it. The issue is, often, that we as Christians say we're pickles, but we live as cucumbers. We walk around saying we've, we are pickles, but yet we don't taste or look or smell, act anything like pickles because we've been near the solution but not in the solution we've opened ourselves to the idea of the solution and the theory and the thought but we really haven't opened ourselves to truly getting into it and so first paul in first corinthians 4 20 says these words for the kingdom of god is not just a lot of talk It is living by God's power. I love this contrast between talk and power. The idea of looking at talk and power. How many people do you know in your life? In fact, I've met lots of people who have said, why would I want to become a Christian if being a Christian is like them? Because they're just a bunch of talk. They talk a good game, but they don't play the game. And this is what we're really driving at today. We can talk about this happily ever after life. And we can talk about Easter and the joy of the resurrection and the fact that the resurrected Christ is living and seated at the right hand of God and has sent the Holy Spirit. Yay! But we're just, we're just a lot of talk. That's what we are. We're not power. Paul is saying in a couple different places, actually, in the scriptures, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, it's a matter of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talking, it's a matter of power. The question is whether or not we really are different. If we say we're a pickle, are we a pickle? We've got to live like a pickle, act like a pickle, smell like a pickle, talk like a pickle. We've got to be someone that lives a life full of the Spirit, in the Spirit, and this is the only way to live the happily ever after life. Look at this passage in John 14. I ask you to read this consistently as we're going through this series. 
If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, of course, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So this is not only the, the, the prediction or the prophetic understanding of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Once He leaves, He's resurrected, ascends to the right hand of the Father, sends the Holy Spirit. Now it's up to us to engage the Holy Spirit on the ground in this life that can begin now, this happily ever after life. Look at the with and in. If you are, I, if you are a Christian... The Holy Spirit lives with you. The question is not, is the Holy, the question is, is the Holy Spirit in you? With you and in you can be two different things. It's one thing to be with, it's another thing to be in. It's one thing to be with the solution, it's another thing to be in the solution or the solution in us. And this is the pickling process that I'm talking about. You may, as a Christian, have an intellectual understanding of what it means the, the Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity. Yes, he's a dove, like we talked about last week, you know, okay, or maybe he's not a bird, maybe he's represented by a bird, you know, but he is something, he is the part of the Trinity, but that's all you do, that's the extent of it. Yes, the Holy Spirit is with you because the Holy Spirit is ever-present. It's like air, air is with you, but the question is, is air in you? When we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we are not talking about every once in a while type thing. We are talking about a perpetual constant thing. We are talking about not only Him being with you, but Him being in you. It's one thing to have air with you, it's another thing to have air in you. Like how many times do you breathe a day? Like two? You have one breath in the morning and then one breath at night? Is that what you do? So the question is, if, if we, we studied this earlier, we talked about the ruach, the wind, the breath of God, that human beings are only animated when, they're, when the breath of God is in them, when the spirit of God is in them. The question is, how much are you breathing in the spirit of God? What is your daily routine of breathing? Well, I would say it's pretty regular. What is your daily routine of recognizing the presence of God and breathing in the Spirit of God like you breathe in air? Because just like air is all around you, the Spirit of God is all around you. Not only with you, but in you. The difference between a cucumber with and a pickle in is a matter of saturation through soaking. A matter of saturation through soaking. So when we go to the hospital or to the doctor's office, they put a little clamp on your finger. And that little clamp on your finger is to determine whether or not you are oxygenated enough. And there's a scale. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if Amazon delivers this week what I ordered last week? Because I ordered a couple dozen Holy Spirit saturation testers and so when you come in next week we are going to put that on your finger and be able to determine the light will come on either red or green you know red you have to leave 
green, you get to come in. But first, you deposit your tithe in the box or text your giving, and then, <laughs> just kidding. The, the cucumber is with, can be with, but the, but the pickle is in. And not only is the pickle in, but the solution's in the pickle. And so this is a matter of saturation through soaking. Oxygen needs to get into you. So if, you're, if your lungs are working well, you're, the oxygen is saturating your body. Your blood's being saturated with oxygen. And that depends on how much energy and how much strength and how much health you have. In the very same way, our soul lungs, the lungs of our soul as we continue to practice this breathing into the presence of God, recognizing the presence of God, not only living with God, but living in God and God in us. The saturation level in our spirit, of the spirit, takes on more and more in, our, in the blood of our soul and ultimately grab more energy, more, more encouragement, more positivity, less negativity. The more you have of the Spirit, the less you have of sin. The more you have of the Spirit, the less you have of negativity. The more you have of the Spirit, the less you have of offensiveness and sensitivity and weakness. The more you'll have of evangelism and passion and love for God. This is the only way to live the happily ever after life. We can ascend to the happy, happily ever after life intellectually, but the only way to get there, literally, is to engage the reality, the present reality of the Spirit that is not only with us, but wants to be in us. And we in it. And behind the English word for baptism is the Greek word for immersion. And so that's why I'm using this pickling kind of understanding so that we recognize that it's not just about getting near the water or just becoming wet with the water. It's about the water getting into us if you're thinking about the solution of the Spirit. Not just wet on the outside, but filled on the inside too, like a pickle. Not just wet on the outside religiously, but filled, saturated, permeated. So you can be baptized in water religiously, and not live with or in the Spirit. You can live with religion, but not relationship, and that is a non-starter. It's a false positive in the spiritual world. So I'm inviting you into a world that's far different than just being religious. I'm inviting you into an experience that may transform even your years and years and years of Christian faith tradition, that you're not just you just don't have your baptism certificate where you got wet on the outside, but you've got your everyday reality of being pickled in the presence of God. And so are you pickled in the power of the Spirit? This is what God wants for every Christian, not just wet with water religiously, but filled with the Holy Spirit relationally, not dipped, soaked. I really like that phrase. Not dipped, soaked. There are plenty of Christians who have been dipped, but few that have been soaking in the Spirit. And I'm challenging you today that there's more. There's more for you. There's plenty of people here that have been dipped. They got christened when they were X months old. 
They were confirmed and when they were X years old. They were baptized and have a certificate. They got wet. They got dipped. But there, there's likely many of you that have not yet been soaking in it. You can't make a, a pickle out of a cucumber by taking a couple drops of water and dripping it on it. You're never going to turn a cucumber into a pickle by doing that. You're never going to periodically dip it in a solution and then set it to the side. That never turns a, pickle, a cucumber into a pickle. Jesus is not about declaring disciples. Jesus is about making disciples where we actually become disciples. So that's why this is so important to me. So how does one soak in the Spirit? I love this question because it's a question that is the practical side. I'm a real theorist. I love constructs and theory, and I get into that, and I can stay in that all the time, and it, be, it becomes practical for me. It just naturally does. But other folks, I, you can give theory, which is not good or bad. Or it's just the way people are wired. Other folks I know need some very, very practical steps, uh, like many people that are just committed to Christ. So here are some steps. How does one soak in the Spirit? One, increase your Bible engagement. This means that Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Bible is living and active. Increase your Bible engagement. What does that mean? That you have to read you know, four chapters a day? No, but you may read four verses all throughout the day. You may read a passage in the morning when you wake up. You may read a chapter when you go to bed at night. You, you, you may listen to it on your commute to work. You may listen to it while you work out. I have no idea, but increase. If you want to get deeper into the Spirit, if you want to be saturated more of the Spirit, you're going to have to increase your Bible engagement. Next, pray without ceasing. Probably lots of you have heard about this in the scriptures. It says pray without ceasing. Well, how do you do that? How can you stay on your knees all day? I have to work a job. Right. That's never been the idea that you just quit your job and pray all day. But the idea is that you work your job while praying. That's the idea. So this is not about developing a prayer life. Hey, well, tell me about your prayer life. Well, I get up in the morning, 6 o'clock, and I spend some time praying, and I spend 20 minutes praying, and then I read the Bible for 10 minutes, and then I talk to the Lord again about 10 minutes, you know, and then I get myself ready, and I go to work, and then later on in the evening, I say the Lord's Prayer, and I go to you're, you're describing your prayer life. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in a life of prayer. Not your system of a prayer life, but that you have a life of prayer. That you're ever increasing your communion, your conversation with Jesus. That in the car, in the restroom, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, while you're cooking, while you're, while you're brushing your teeth, while you're, you're, you're in this perpetual state of awareness of God's, God's presence and you're talking to God often. And, you know, people walk around with, um, you know, earbuds in now, ear, AirPods in, and they talk to nobody all the time. So... Nowadays, when Christians are walking around praying, they look like they're talking on a cell phone and everybody's normal. So I recommend all day long, just feel free to talk out loud and people will just assume you're on the phone. So feel free to do that. It's okay now in, in the culture. But pray without ceasing. Develop and cultivate a habit of not just praying a little bit in the morning, praying a little bit in the evening, and that's your prayer life. Develop a life of prayer. Get in the pickle jar more often. What does that mean? That means your 
I'm using the church as the pickle jar. The church as the pickle jar. And the church hopefully is full of solution. And so that when you get invested in the church, like coming on Sunday morning is very nice, but it's a drop. If you really want to get immersed and you want to soak in the Spirit, you've got to get more involved than just Sunday morning. You've got to be invested in a life group, join our rooted group, sign up for EHS as soon as we get it. This will move you out of just getting drops and bits and pieces and dipping here or there into actual soaking in our worship nights and our experiences with Bible studies, midweek oasis, all of that. Get in the pickle jar more often. And how does one soak in the Spirit? Turn on notifications of the Spirit. So everyone find your soul settings, go to notifications, find the Holy Spirit, and turn on notifications. Now what does that mean? I mean that. Put it in your phone. Download a Bible app that reminds you it's time to pray. I've given you loads of that kind of resource. You can go on our website and get out a soul health plan and get loads of resources with regard to identifying how you can turn on your notifications to the Spirit. Be accountable to a friend that will ping you four or five times a week. Hey, man, don't forget you're living in the Spirit. You're living in the Spirit. Turn on your notifications. Do it in your calendar to remind yourself to pray. Put up sticky notes in your house, cards around your dash and your car. Turn on your notifications. And pretty soon... You'll be seeing it everywhere, thinking it everywhere, wondering it everywhere, and you'll no longer have a prayer life. You'll have a life of prayer. That's the joy. What is God's goal for baptism in the Spirit? And that's really what we're talking about. God's goal for baptism in the Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is not speaking in tongues. Maybe, maybe a part, maybe God may give you that gift. Wonderful, how thrilling. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not about operating in the power gifts on Sunday morning. Maybe, it could be, could possibly be. We're not opposed to that in any way. There's far deeper things and more important things than that. What is God's goal for baptism in the Spirit? Being filled with the Spirit is about transformation. Spirit-filled means being increasingly transformed into the character of Jesus. That's what it means. You were originally created in the character of Jesus. Sin deformed you out of the character of Jesus, and salvation is all about reforming you back into the character of Jesus. That's what it's about. The most important thing about your life is the person you're becoming, not the stuff you're doing or the stuff you're collecting. You may say, well, hey man, uh, what do you do for a living? I'm an accountant. I'm an analyst. I'm a plumber. I'm a manager. Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, uh, my, my work is becoming like Jesus. Try that one. <laughs> See how far that goes. Because the goal of your life for God is not to get you to a comfortable retirement through your accounting job. The goal of God is to get you to be more like Jesus. That's the goal of being filled with the Spirit. So that out of the character of Jesus, you respond to the person who's trying to offend you. That out of the character of Jesus, you naturally respond to the spouse that disappoints you. 
that out of the character of Jesus, you naturally respond to the political climate of our day. That out of the character of Jesus, you naturally respond to the, to the windfall of money that comes your way. Out of the character of Jesus. It's not about what you're doing or what you're collecting. It's about who you're becoming. Galatians 6.15, it doesn't matter how religious we are. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.15, everyone who received his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you're handling anger the same way you handled anger before you were a Christian, something's wrong. You may be a cucumber and not a pickle. If you handle lust and and pornography and, uh, you know, addiction or whatever or frustration or, or bitterness or resentment the same way and you're still kind of the same person you've always been, something is dramatically wrong. You may still be a cucumber and not nearly a pickle. The question really is, do you want this new life? If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, there's only one way to have the happily ever after life, and that is to start with the Easter story and to recognize that Jesus died for you and he rose from the grave for you. That's where you start. You become a Christian by recognizing that. You begin a life with God by recognizing that. And repenting of living a life without God or not believing in Jesus. And now you're believing in Jesus and living a life with God. But that's not the end of it. It's not only becoming a Christian, but it's every day becoming more and more like Christ. That's the goal of the Christian life. That you are becoming different. The kind of life that you were created for and you can just simply ask for it. And during our spiritual response time, that can be your time. Where you say, Lord, I, I, am, I, I have been living without you. I haven't really believed in you. I believe in you today. I'm professing my belief in you today. And I'm gonna begin living a life with you today. I, I want to become a pickle. So thank you, Lord, for putting me in the pickle jar today. I wanna stay in it. And if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. But have you uncorked His power in you to saturate your life? This is what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. The question is, have you released the Holy Spirit into every area of your life? Are you living a life full of the Spirit? Or do you have the Spirit tucked in a soul pocket somewhere, and every once in a while you might touch it because a big need comes into your life? I'm saying uncork that thing and let it out and let the Spirit be the Spirit in your life and live a Spirit-filled life. If you do, you will begin experiencing the happily ever after life right now. So, would you stand with me?